The big question we will be asking is what does it mean to be congregational? And in part one, we discovered being congregational means being Christ-centered, Christ-centered. And today we, we, we will be exploring what it means for a congregational church to be Holy Spirit-filled. Before we do, I'd like to ask you a question. What does it mean to you to be Holy Spirit-filled? And we want rapid responses. What does it mean to be Holy Spirit-filled? Compassionate. Compassionate. Enabled. Enabled. Loving. Loving. To be Christ-like. To be Christ-like. Kindness. To be kind. To be tuned in to God. To be tuned in to God. We're off to a good start, aren't we? So, we have an understanding of what it means to be spirit-filled, so let's explore that deeper. Last Sunday, we remembered <clears throat> uh, radical thinkers in England and Wales who broke away from the Elizabethan Church of England because they wanted religious freedom from the power structures of bishops and parliament. Do you remember? They formed groups of devout believers who wanted their worship to be completely guided by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, who was at work in their hearts and in their lives. Such men and women were often called separatists. They wanted separation to occur between the church and the state because they felt convicted to pursue a New Testament model of being church. When they gathered together to worship, they believed their practices more faithfully resembled the pattern of the apostolic churches that they read about in the New Testament. Are you with me? Yeah. yeah. The separatists fought for independence and religious freedom and were dependent on God. Pursuing the mind of Christ and seeking his will was made known to them through their church meeting. They became called congregationalists in time because they claimed that all members of the congregation should share in the direction of the church's affairs, which were discussed at the church meeting. Okay? And strong links emerged between the English and Welsh dissenters, that was another term for them, dissenters, and their nearest nearest European allies in the Reformed Church in the Netherlands. Many Reformation pamphlets, pamphlets were printed in Holland and several congregations moved from England to Holland to escape persecution. One congregation led by Pastor John Robinson adventured to the New World America on the Mayflower in 1620 to establish a colony ordered by God's ways, free from the corruption and the restrictions in the old world. You probably are familiar with that, aren't you? The Mayflower. This turbulent and challenging time gave birth to the congregational way of being church. 
Being congregational depended on the right of every person, you and me, to read the Bible for ourselves and receive the salvation offered to us, to them, in love. Congregational churches elected their own leaders and pursued the mind of Christ together. And they relied on the gifts completely, relied on the gifts of the Holy Spirit to build up the body of Christ, the church. Sounds good to me. Does it to you? Yeah, it sounds good. So, will you finish the race of faith well? You may have had a bad start in your life. You may have messed up along the way, maybe even on numerous occasions. You may have made mistakes, and you may carry regrets. But you can finish well. And that's what matters the most. As we trust in Jesus, it is far more important that we finish well than it is that our beginnings may have been disastrous. The Pharisee Saul of Tarsus started off very badly because he persecuted Jesus' followers. But he finished well because he became the great apostle Paul who encountered Jesus for himself and loved him. Paul followed Jesus and he shows us the way. Jesus began his life well and he finished well because he completed every work that the Father gave him to do. My question to you, to us, is how can you and I make sure that we finish well? The rest of this sermon is in two parts. The first part is thinking about <clears throat> us being a Holy Spirit-filled people. A congregational church is called to stand in spiritual succession to those first friends of Jesus. To be Jesus' friend means that we are called into a fellowship with those who share a common sorrow on Good Friday, a common joy at Easter, and a common inspiration and impartation at Pentecost. For us as for them, the one prerequisite of our coming together is that we have each committed our life to Christ, or at the very least, are on that journey towards Jesus. Are you with me so far? In our passage today, we are reminded, well, if we take the gospel passage um, and look at the whole chapter, so chapter 14, and I encourage you to read it through in your quiet time. The whole chapter encourages us to wholeheartedly trust in the legacy and promises of Jesus. Are you troubled or distressed in any way? Well, we know this, that Jesus doesn't want us to be troubled or distressed, but to have peace in our hearts, from John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus knew that his life was about to end and that he would be leaving his disciples, those he called his friends, to return to the Father. 
And this is where I want to share Jesus' promises with us. So Jesus said to them, the disciples, do not be afraid. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and peace of heart. Verse 27, Jesus did not and does not leave his friends alone or abandon them. The promises he made to his disciples are the same promises he makes to us. What are they? Firstly, Jesus has good plans for your future. He says, there are many rooms in my father's house. I am going there to prepare a place for each one of you. Verse 1 and 2. In Jesus, our future is secure. Secondly, Jesus is coming back for you and for me. Life doesn't end after physical death. Jesus says, I will come back and take you with me. Then we will be together. Verse 3, we will be with Jesus forever. We will know his love forever. Thirdly, Jesus has opened the way for us to know God. We were reminded last week that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus makes a way for us by bringing us to the Father. Verse 5 and 6. Fourthly, Jesus reveals who God is and what God is like. Philip says, show us the Father, that's all we need. And Jesus replies, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, verses eight and nine. If we want to know what God looks like, all we have to do is look at Jesus. Fifthly, Jesus will do great things through his people, through you and I. Jesus says, you will do the works I have done, and even greater works. Verse 12. You and I will do great works through Jesus. That's encouraging, isn't it? Jesus wants to reveal and extend the kingdom of God through you and through me. The idea is I want to encourage us in our faith in Jesus. That's the plan. Sixthly, Jesus will never, sorry, Jesus will answer our prayers. Jesus will answer our prayers. Jesus says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Verse 13 and 14. When our heart is in alignment for something on God's heart, Jesus says, it will be done. And this will bring honor to the Father. Seventhly, Jesus will never abandon us. Jesus says, I will not abandon you as orphans, but I will come to you, verse 18. I'm loving these promises. Jesus says, I will ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit who will help you, verse 16. The Holy Spirit is your friend who will always be with you and will come to live inside you, inside your heart, verse 17. Eighthly, Jesus will continue to love you. Jesus says, if you love me, you will do what I have said, and my Father will love you. I will also love you and show you what I'm like. One of the ways Jesus shows his love to us is by revealing what he is like. And then we copy we copy him. We imitate him. Verse 21. 
Ninthly, Jesus and the Father will make their home in our heart. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, they will obey me, and my Father will love them. Um, And we will come to them and live in them. If you love Jesus, he promises to make his home in your heart. I know you know this, but bear with me. Tenthly, Jesus fills us with his presence. We've had the promises, and now we have the promise of his presence. Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and peace of heart. So don't be troubled or afraid. The peace and the presence of God comes from trusting in Jesus, and he is right there with us. So how is all of this possible? How can we receive all of those promises? How could Jesus possibly pass on his legacy to us? How? We receive all of Jesus' promises through the Holy Spirit. It's as simple as that. We open our hearts and God's Spirit comes in. It's as simple as that. The Father and the Son, Jesus, have sent the Holy Spirit to live in your heart and in my heart. That's good news, isn't it? The Greek word for the Holy Spirit is parakletos, and it literally means one called alongside. Its meaning is complex and multifaceted because it captures that the Holy Spirit is a counselor, an advocate, a comforter, an encourager, a helper. Someone to stand by you through trials and hardships. What a good friend the Holy Spirit is. One illustration would be like that of a mother who is a paraclete for her child. She takes away the anguish of loneliness for that child. And with her presence comes security, peace and love. I love that illustration. The Holy Spirit lives in us to give us new life, new strength, and new love so that we, the church, can continue the mission of Jesus to the world. The most important thing in your life, the most important thing in your life is that God comes to live in your heart by his Spirit. So we go back to that question that I posed at the very beginning. How do we finish the race well? By trusting in Jesus and opening our hearts to receive the Holy Spirit. We need to be, and this is the reason I've shared this with you, we need to be Holy Spirit-filled people. Each one of us needs to be Holy Spirit-filled in order to be a Holy Spirit-filled church. Are you with me? So, we cannot be a Holy Spirit-filled church if we ourselves are not Spirit-filled. We need to be Spirit-filled people in order to be a Spirit-filled church. Just as Jesus promised his disciples then, He also promises us today 
the Holy Spirit can fill each one of us. And the Holy Spirit will fill our church as we live in him. Isn't that exciting? That we will see more of God's presence and power as we live in him, as we follow him and invite him to live in our hearts. So, what are the marks of a congregational church being spirit-filled? The first mark is mission. The Apostle Paul says, God the Father has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. That's from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 to 23. The church is the chief instrument through which Jesus Christ reveals himself to the world. And his church carries his work of salvation. That is so significant. We at North Street Church are a chief instrument in revealing what Jesus is like and extending the kingdom of God. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always. That's from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 19 to 20. Our mission is to introduce others to Jesus. That's our mission. So who is the Holy Spirit putting on your heart at this time? And could you invite them to church? Who is the Holy Spirit putting on your heart? And could you invite them to church? Mark 2. The second mark is discipleship. The growth of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our individual lives and as the whole church is the evidence of his work of inner transformation. That's the evidence of his work and power. Our inner transformation uh, based from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. We looked at that over the summer, didn't we? The fruits of the Spirit are the evidence of God's power at work in the church. The Apostle Paul says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Full of love. It's really important that we are full of love. Isn't it? Really important. And when we are full of love, it reveals the glory of God and it honors God. As spirit-filled disciples, we believe and expect that God will guide us, empower us, enable us, and perhaps even surprise us as we follow him. We also have a sense of anticipation to see what God will do next in our lives and in the life of our Jesus-centered community here at North Street. In what ways may the Holy Spirit be prompting you to cultivate the fruit of the Holy Spirit? And 
Are you being challenged to trust in Jesus more? Mark 3, gifting. The third mark is gifting. The Apostle Paul says there are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 12. Those with the responsibility of leadership should build others up in the faith and help the church to be able to confidently proclaim the gospel. Leaders should also encourage the believers to discover their special gift from God and nurture them in that particular gift. And this is for the benefit of the whole church and for the glory of Jesus. So what is your particular gift from God? What gift or gifts has God given to you? Is the Holy Spirit calling you perhaps to explore leadership? Mark four, creativity. The fourth mark is creativity. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. That's from Exodus chapter 31, verses 2 and 6. The gifts of craftsmanship and practical skills are as equally important as all other gifts. Cleaning. Cleaning is also a very important gift, not only because it is hygienic, but because it expresses order, renewal, and worship. The illustration in the Bible about cleanliness, the illustrations are numerous. King David and his army commanders appointed musicians to make music in the house of the Lord because music is another gift. That's from 1 Chronicles chapter 25. There are many gifts. We are a created people and therefore we are a creative people and God wants to use our creativity in building the body of Christ. How may the Holy Spirit be calling you to use your creativity. The fifth mark is prophetic. We're we're coming into land, don't worry. The, The fifth mark is prophetic. When Jesus will judge all things, he will say, come you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Jesus says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, 
you did it for me. We must speak out and act out where there is political, social and economic injustice. The church should work to alleviate the pain and the suffering of others. Being prophetic simply means to understand how God feels about issues. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you about current affairs, about current injustices in our world? And the final mark, Mark 6, serving The sixth mark is serving. The Apostle Paul says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. That's from Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Jesus says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's from the Gospel of Mark chapter 10, verse 45. We respond to God's love by giving ourselves to each other in loving service. In what ways is the Holy Spirit calling you to serve others? I've given given us lots to think about and I've posed lots of questions because I want you to start to think more about how God wants to use you, wants to equip you, wants to empower you to reveal his kingdom, to extend it, and to bring glory and honor to Jesus. So how can we remember all of this that I've thrown at us this morning? Mission, discipleship, gifting, creativity, the prophetic, and serving are all marks of being a Holy Spirit-filled congregational church. What does it mean to be a congregational church? It means being Holy Spirit-filled. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit to live in us and be with us forever. We thank you for your promises to us. We pray for anybody here who has not received your Holy Spirit to open their hearts to receive the power of your love. And we pray that we, your church at North Street, will be your Holy Spirit-filled people that build your kingdom in this town. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Equip us and empower us to do what you want us to do and reveal to each of us how you want us to use the gifts that you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen.